Turn in your Bible to John chapter 8, John chapter 8, and then 2 Timothy. Today we're going to finish up a little mini-series called Loose the Noose. Everyone say, Loose the Noose. Let me tell you something. It's God's plan for us all to move to greater levels of liberty in Christ. You see, when you were born again, God freed you. He set you free. Uh, and, 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 uh, the Bible says if the, if the Lord makes you free, you're what? Free indeed. And that's John chapter eight, verse 31 through 36. That's our keynote verse. Let's look at it this morning. It says this, uh, therefore, and then Jesus said to them, and if you're there in John chapter eight, I just realize I'm not. I'm about to be there. Jesus said to those Jews who believed on him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples, what? Indeed. And you shall what? Everyone say, know the truth. Let me pause. It's not the truth that sets you free. I heard Oprah say that one time. You know, the truth will set you free. No, the truth doesn't set you free. It's the truth you know that sets you free. And if you don't know the truth, you won't walk in liberty. And if you don't listen to me this morning uh, and, and, and apply what I... I'm sharing with you what the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. You will not move to another level of liberty. But Jesus said, he said, uh, if you abide in my word, I'm telling you, that's what 40 days of purpose, pardon me, 40 days in the word is all about. Getting us to abide, live, dwell, causing the word of God to be the, the foundation of our life. Jesus said this in Matthew 7. He said, if you build your life on the foundation of my word and the commands that I give you, when the storms come, just like we sang through it all, he'll be Lord of all and the foundation of God will be strong in your life. But if you build your life on the sand, then when the storms come and they do, there'll be great destruction in your life. So the word of God is so powerfully important in our life. And Jesus said, if you abide in my word, that's a big abide, live, dwell in my word. You are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And they answered him because they didn't quite get it. How many of you know, sometimes in church, people don't quite get it. They just, they didn't understand. They said, "Uh, uh, we are Abraham's descendants. We've never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you shall be made free? They were talking about, they were thinking about old Egyptian bondage and, and he was talking about a, a, an inner freedom in our life. And, uh, and let me just ask you, how many of you found some new levels of liberty inside? I'm telling you, whoo, it's good to be free. Amen. And so they didn't quite get it. And Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a, and a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. He's talking about being free from sin. Therefore, I love it. Therefore, if the son, big S-O-N, if the son makes you free, you shall be what? <clears throat> free indeed. The, the issue is a lot of God's people are not free indeed because they've not been abiding and living and dwelling in the word of God and becoming true disciples of Christ and not really following him. Most people, you know what? Most people, when they get saved, they just want Jesus to follow them. He, he doesn't follow us around. We're supposed to follow him. Look at your neighbor and say, we're supposed to follow him, not a, not the other way around. Tell somebody, we're supposed to follow him, not the other way around. He's not going to follow us around and, 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 and keep us out of a mess. He wants us to follow him. In fa- fact, if, if, if you follow him, 
He will take good care of you. Amen. So that's our keynote verse. And, and we looked, I, I just gave you kind of so you'd kind of get a picture of where we are. And, uh, uh, there's three phases of, of liberty that I shared with you just so you'll understand. The first one is the foundation of freedom that we have in Christ because of what he did for us on the cross. You read Romans six. It says we were once slaves of sin, but we've been born again and, and we've been baptized into, into Christ and into the water and we're raised to walk in newness of life and we're no longer slaves of sin. Somebody say amen, but we're slaves of God. That's the foundation that we build upon what Christ that you can't free yourself from sin in your own strength. I don't care how hard you try to not smoke, chew, or go with the girls that do. You and I are natural-born sinners, and we're pretty good at it, if you ask me. Uh, we're just natural-born sinners. That's why we needed Christ to come. We were all sinners. We're all separated from God. Uh, and the Bible says the Lord laid on him, that is Jesus, the iniquity of us all. He paid the price so we could be born again and built a foundation of freedom for us to build on. That's the first thing. And the second is the fight for freedom. That's where you and I are today. And if we don't fight for our spiritual liberty, we will lose our spiritual liberty. Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 says this, Stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free, and don't be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. Somebody say stand fast. And in order to do that, you've got to be willing to fight. We'll talk about that today a little more. And then the final level of freedom is our final freedom. And that's when we get in the presence of God. We sang a song just a few moments ago that one day we'll stand before him and we'll experience total liberty in him. No more sadness, no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more, no more Satan to bug us. Somebody say hallelujah. No more problems, man. It will be over. It'll be our final freedom. But until then, it's a fight. Are you with me? And so we got to be engaged. So now turn to second Timothy. Now I want to give you fair warning. Everybody say fair warning. I want to give you fair warning today that I'm going to give you a lot and I'm going to, I'm going to require of you to listen up. I'm going to require of you to write it down. I'm going to require, cause today, uh, if you don't write it down, uh, you're going to forget 90. In fact, we forget 99% of everything we hear anyway, most of the time, unless we're people who have a uh, photographic memory or just can remember. I'm not that way. In fact, I have to ask Beverly thing, you know, a while ago I sat and I said, I dismiss kids, right? Yeah, okay, help. Uh, there's things I forget all the time, things I shouldn't forget. Uh, and she said, yeah, it's, it's, you get dismissed kids. Uh, and so, but so I want you to in, get engaged with me because I'm going to talk to you about becoming fully engaged in your fight for freedom. You got to be fully and absolutely engaged in this warfare if you and I are going to move to another level of liberty. I want to begin at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, and I want to show you something. It says this, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Catch this now. You therefore must endure hardship as a good what? Good soldier of Jesus Christ. 
Now, the fact that he said soldier infers a number of things. It does more than infer. It infers that that there's a war going on, that there is a conflict in the air, and that there's a battle that is raging, and that we've got to be good soldiers uh, in this battle. And then he says this, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Now, I want to tell you some things about you. You have been enlisted. When you got born again, you just didn't become, oh, I'm his child. Oh, I love Jesus. I'm his child. Now, we are his children. All God's children say, amen, hallelujah. We are his kids. I said all God's children say, amen, hallelujah. We are his kids, but let me tell you something. He didn't, he didn't save us just to be his kids. He saved us to be his warriors. Whoo. Now, <clears throat> come on, all the warriors say hallelujah. I'm going to tell you, we got to grow up and become warriors in this thing and, and, and people who are engaged in spiritual warfare. And so he has enlisted you in this spiritual battle that is going on all around us. And you need to understand that. Not just the preacher, not just the pastor, not just the elders, not just the evangelists. All God's people uh, have got to step it up and become fully engaged. That word engaged. He said, you therefore must endure hardship. And then he says, verse 4, no one engaged in warfare. Everyone say engaged. He's not talking about being married there. He's talking, in fact, that word engaged means to be one who is presently actively serving in a military campaign. That's what that word means. No one who is serving and active in a military campaign should entangle themselves in the affairs of this life. We've got to be fully engaged. Look at somebody and look them right in the old eyeball. Say, we've got to get engaged in this battle here. We do. And so if you, now let me show you quickly. I, I, again, you better hang with me, but I got some time. So hey, don't, don't check out on me. Uh, hey, I spent from 8.30 until 5 yesterday being taught the Word of God. It was a little challenging for me to stay engaged and focused, but I did it. We did it, didn't we, Beverly? I had to get up, get me a cup of coffee, and, and get re-engaged, and they tr- strategically placed really engaging speakers along the way to help get me going. And so, uh, hey, I, I don't want you to fall asleep. Stay with me. Let me just build a case here. Look what Paul's telling Timothy. If you go back to 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18, he tells him this. He says, this charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. Someone say good warfare. Now look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Now, I've said this a hundred times. I'm going to say it again uh, in case you forgot or in case you, you never were listening. Uh, he, he talks to Timothy about this warfare. Pardon me. It's, it's good. It's a good thing. This, he said, fight the good fight of faith. Wage the good warfare. Let me tell you the only good warfare I know and the only good fight I know where you can say, oh, that was a good fight is one where you do what you win. win. 
How many of you want to be winners in this warfare that we're involved in? And let me tell you something. If you're going to win, if you're going to move to another level, it's going to be a fight. I just have to tell you that. And when you read through First and Second Timothy through the lens of this understanding, you'll know that Paul is just telling his son in the faith, Timothy, it's going to be a battle. But I'm telling you, it's a good battle because in the end, we win. Somebody say amen. Everybody say in the end, we win. Whew. And... and, and and then, of course, you, you don't need, well, you can if you want. It's right there. Second Timothy 4, Paul's coming to the close of his life. In verse 8 and verse 7 in chapter 4, he says, I fought the good fight. How many of you know Paul won the fight? It was a good fight. He said, I won this thing. I finished my race. I kept the faith. And finally, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness. Listen, if we'll fight the fight, if we'll realize that we we should be fully engaged, we can come to the close of our life like Paul the apostle and not not uh, you know hunker down and walk in with a tuck head. We'll be able to step step into the presence of God uh, with great confidence, knowing that we engaged uh, the enemy and we were victorious over the devil and we were not entangled again in the yoke of bondage and we consistently move to new levels of liberty. Listen to me. Some of you are carrying around old bondages and hangups that you need to shake it off. Somebody say, shake it off. In fact, we used to sing this song. Uh, how's it go? Lift up those hands, shake off those heavy bands. I'm telling you, somebody just, you need to shake it off now. Come on. It's, 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 it's past time. For us to step it up to a new level of liberty. Well, it's just the way it's always been. It's my mama and my daddy and the way I live my life. That's the reason I'm all hung up right here and why I just can't seem to get over this thing. And so I guess that's the way it's going to be. All the, boy, aren't you fun to hang around with? Hey, it's time to get it, step it up. Tell somebody, look somebody in your eyeballs again. It's time we step it up around here. Come on. It's time to step it up to a new level. And so with that in mind, let me just say this. There's no place in this battle, this warfare for sideline saints. There's no cheering section other than what is in eternity. In fact, the Bible says in Hebrews 11, I think it is Hebrews 11. No, Hebrews 12. It says we're sur surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. That's heaven cheering us on and heaven. Hey, there's a, a, that's a great cheering. Heaven is cheering us on in this battle because you know what heaven knows? You know what everybody that's gone before us knows? They know that, that, that there's a victory on the end. There is a final, uh, freedom from this, the affairs of this life. See, some of you haven't got that yet. You're still thinking about all the things you want to accomplish here. And there's some things we need to do. Paul said, it's far better. If you think, if you can dream up your best life now, Heaven is far better. Somebody say far better. And so we got a heavenly cheering section. So with that in mind, whew, that's the introduction. And I got a lot of time. Hallelujah. Are you in Second Timothy? I want to give you, I'm going to give you 12 PowerPoints that Paul gave Timothy. So he could be fully engaged in this fight of faith and this fight for our freedom. Are you with me? Say amen. That's why I said you got to write them down. You'll be going, you know what? If you were a smart cookie, 
You whip out at that. When I get, uh, there's going to be six here in just a minute on one power. You go click. Ha, ha, ha. And then when I get to the next six, click. You can take a picture and you can remember and you can, you can begin uh, your journey. Cause I understand something. I'm just going to give you the PowerPoints. If you don't in, engage them into your life, you're just going to sit around and go, uh, man, I wish I was free. Well, I guess I can't be free, but you can become fully engaged in this battle. And it's a good fight. Somebody say it's a good fight. It's a good fight. It's a good fight. If you fight, you win. If you use these PowerPoints that Paul gave Timothy, it'll be good for you. And you'll begin to be moved to a new level of liberty in Christ. Are you with me? Say amen. Here we go. I'm going to give them to you. 12 PowerPoints. Uh, warrior wisdom, I'm going to call it. Some warrior wisdom. Paul was a warrior. He, and he was sharing warrior wisdom with his son in the faith. And he gave him some very clear, you know, let me tell you something. I love it about Paul. And, and, and you know what? Uh, he was a father, uh, to Timothy. And, and we, the Bible says there's not many fathers. And, and so I want to, on some level, be a, a, a spiritual father to you. And, and, and at, at the very least mirror some things that Paul said. And they were, you know, how many of you appreciate fathers who will speak the truth? I've met people. I, in fact, I, I have some folks that I know when their kids were becoming teenagers. One father said this with me, you know, they're teenagers. And they're going to do what they're going to do. I said, are they living in your house? Oh, that's what I wanted to say. I was nicer. They're living in your house? Listen, as a father, you got to step it up. And you just can't be milk toast and say, well, I guess they're just going to do what they're going to do. And you just have to trust the Lord. No, a father steps up sometimes and says, do not do this. Or this is what you need to do. And they do it out of love. And I appreciate our Heavenly Father who who, uh, who does that for us. But today, allow me to at least mirror some of the fatherly directives and, and wisdom that Paul was sharing with his son in the faith, Timothy, uh, concerning spiritual warfare and this good fight. Everybody say, it's a good fight. Here we go. The first PowerPoint that I see uh, is found in the first chapter in the sixth verse, and that is stir up. Everybody say stir it up. Look what he says. He says this, uh, and I'll I, I'll try not to get too much context, but but I don't want to butcher it either. Uh, but he's he says this. He says therefore, and he's talking about because he has faith in God. Therefore, I remind you. Everybody say sometimes we need reminding. This is verse 6. To stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Somebody say stir it up. That phrase stir up means fan into flame. I don't know about you, but there are times in my, in our lives when the flame begins to flicker, when the fire begins to go out and, and you gotta stoke the flame. You gotta fan into flame. And, and he's talking about the fire because of the context here and the power of the Holy Spirit. He says, when I laid my hand on you, Timothy, you gotta remember, you remember the fire that fell on you. You remember the Holy Ghost that came upon you and the power of God that came upon you. You gotta keep the flame burning, brother. You can't let the fire go out. You got to stir it up. Somebody say stir it up. 
Let me tell you something in this battle. You can't go into battle half-hearted milk toast and, and, and just kind of, oh, kind of mamby-pamby. You got to be stirred up in the Holy Ghost, full of the Holy Spirit and the power. You see, Jesus uh, told this to his disciples in Acts chapter 1. He said, you go to Jerusalem and you wait for the promise of the Father. But they didn't just go and play fiddlesticks. They didn't search Facebook. They weren't posting on Snapchat. They were praying and seeking God and calling out to God for the power and the power of the Holy Ghost came upon them and stirred them up and set them aflame with the power of God. Some of you need somebody to come along and fan you into flame. That's what I'm here for this morning. You got to stir it up. Well, pastor, you're getting a little out of hand there. You know what Jesus did one day? John 2, you read it. He goes into the temple, and they're selling things in the temple. They've turned the house of God, that's supposed to be a house of prayer, into a, into a den of thieves, into a house of merchandise. He goes back outside, spends a little time, makes him a cat of nine tails. Most people, most people have this picture of Jesus with the halo. That's not my Jesus. He saw that and he got stirred up. And he went out and made him a cat of nine tails and he walked back into the house of God and started whipping those guys out of there. He hurt folk physically. Are you with me? And he got, he got all fired up and the disciples are going. And they're going. And then they remembered. He said, Oh yeah. We remember what the Bible says about him. That the zeal of the Lord. I want you read that. You study that word. The fire of the Lord has. And the zeal for the house of God has consumed him. I'm telling you, that's a picture of how we need to be spiritually. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm sick and tired of, 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 of the powers of darkness causing me to be something less than what I'm supposed to be. I'm going to stir it up and I'm going to do some spiritual battle. I'm going to make me a spiritual cat of nine tails and I'm going to whip the devil out of my house. I'm going to whip him out of my heart. I'm going to whip him out of my job. I'm going to whip him. Hey, I'm going to stir it up. Come on, devil. I'm sorry, I've got a little out of hand there. Thank you, thank you. I apologize. I stirred it up there for a minute. Lord, have mercy. So let me just stop. Can I, we may not get to point two. But if you don't get this, you don't, you don't, you don't got it. That's why, that's why, uh, Jimmy Evans kept saying, Holy Spirit, help me. I need you. Holy Spirit, help me. I need, I need you right here. You know what my Bible tells me? Uh, and yours probably does too if you got anywhere close to the same Bible. Second Corinthians 3.17. It says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. 
When you fan into flame the Spirit of God and give Him free reign in your life to burn bright in your life, and where that Spirit of God is, where, where the Spirit of God, He's like a dove. You understand me? He's not going to come in and muscle around in your, in your business. He's, he, he has to be invited into your life and say, Lord, fill me afresh, stir me up. Lord, fan me into flame. Lord, I want to be fired up. I don't want to be sitting here on the sidelines of life, letting the devil eat my lunch every dead come day. I need the power the Holy Ghost in my life. I'm going to set myself on fire. Some of you need to be set on fire. But, sadly, many of them have just been baptized in pickle juice. See, I got set on fire as a as a, between my junior and senior year in high school. I mean, I got set on fire. I got filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues. And I've been, I've had to reignite myself. You say, how do you do that? You just stir it up. I just showed you how. I just, I mean, I, Lord have mercy. Fan into flame. Get your Bible out, start reading the Word and, and getting a grasp on the Word so the Word can get a grasp on you and the Holy Ghost can come upon you. Hey, shake off those things in your life and start getting serious about your walk with God and stir up the Holy Ghost in your heart and get burning bright. And hey, everybody will come watch. Hey, people come watch. A, I'll watch a grass fire for goodness sake. And, and when I see people on fire, it'll draw a crowd and people go, oh, that guy's on fire. Yeah, and you come, let me give you a hug. I'll set you on fire too. Oh my goodness. We got to engage our enemy with the power and the fire and the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. Let me tell you what'll, you know what'll rattle the devil in your life when you get set on fire. Long as he's got you prayer worrying instead of being a prayer warrior. If you're a prayer worrier, he got you right where he wants. Oh, Lord. Hey, the Bible says don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Somebody say stir it up. If you don't do that, everything else I'm, I'm going to say right here, we just, we might as well stop. You got to stir up the gift of God in you. Well, I don't know if I have the gift of God in me. Well, get it for goodness sake. My Bible tells me Jesus said, the Bible says, uh, we know how to give, if we know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will God give the Holy Ghost to those who ask Him? Some of you got this thing in your head that you think you're a second class Christian. I'm just a kid. I, God don't trust me with nothing. And I guess I'm not supposed to be full of the Holy Ghost. Yes, you just need to ask him. But the problem is we don't spend enough time in his presence for he can, he can wade through our business and our stuff to get us a place where we can receive what he has for us to receive. We got, we, we're so instantaneous oriented that we don't take the time to stir it up and get where we need to be so God can do what he needs to do in our life. Are you with me? Am I being too hard on us this morning? Somebody say, stir it up. Whoo. I remember when I've told you these stories. Some have never heard them. So one, one day my dad didn't quite understand me, you know, 
when I got filled with the Holy Ghost. And I I didn't know he was even at home. I'm in my room stirring it up. He thought I was having a fight with somebody in there. And so I guess he, he opened the door and I'm in the middle of, hi, Jesus. And I saw my dad looking there and I went, and he just shut the door. He just shut the door. So I kept stirring it up. Let's lift our hands and ask the Holy Ghost to set us on fire. Lord, Paul told Timothy to stir up the gift that he had received through Paul's laying on of hands, fan it into flame. Glory to God. Fill us, Holy Spirit. God, baptize us in the Holy Spirit all over again. We fan into flame the gift of God. Hallelujah. Stir up. You got to take that to the bank with you. You got to take that home with you. You got to do that every day. Everybody say every day. Every night, stir it up. Because understand something about you. It will not just continue to self-propagate. It has to be fanned. It has to be fueled. It has to be sustained. And you are the sustainer by you and the Holy Spirit uh, uh, partnering together to keep His power. He will not force Himself on you. Are you with me? Then, number two, I just want to stay on stir up, but I'll move on. Number two, fear not. Everybody say fear not. Let me just say, if you'll stir up, you won't fear. Because you'll have the power. Look what he says in verse 7. I'll, I'll read verse 6. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. So why should we fear if we've not been given a spirit of fear? And I'm going to tell you today, a lot of God's people are bound by a spirit of fear and intimidation in life. They fear this, fear that. They fear the future. They fear, the, I mean, it's just bound by fear. I want to tell you, when you get the Holy Ghost, uh, in fact, uh, you get the Holy Ghost in your life and you start reading the Word, you will begin to realize God, that God is in control and you don't have to fear. Jesus says, don't fear this. Don't fear man. Just fear God in a good way. Reverence him. Put your faith in him. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power. Somebody say power. That's supernatural power. And love. To love him and love others. God's spirit is a spirit of power to spirit of love. And let me tell you what, when you stir up the Holy Ghost in your life, the Holy Spirit begins to take control of your life. It, God's God will clear your thinking process. He will get your brain fixed. He'll fix your brain. The biggest problem most people have is the way they think. He can change the way you think and you can begin to reorder the way you think. And if you can change the way you think, you can change the way you walk. If you change the way you walk, you'll change the way you talk. If you'll change the way you think, the way you walk, the way you'll talk, you'll change the way you live life and you will move to another level of, of faith and, and freedom in your life. Fear not. Tell somebody, fear not. Amen. Stir up, fear not. 
PowerPoint number three, hold fast. Somebody say hold fast. Verse 13, chapter one, hold fast the patent. See the fatherhood? He's not, he's not saying, you know, if I, 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 as your, as your pastor here, Timothy, I want to encourage you to do your best to read your Bible and do your best to, to, to come to Sunday school and do your best to be at church. Now we just need to do our best. No, he's, t- he looks at his son in the fa- faith and says this, hold fast the pattern of sound words, which I gave you. which you heard from me in faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. Verse 14, that good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. That word committed is deposited in you. He said, He said, Timothy, there's things I've deposited in your life. That good word, you better hang on to it. Don't, don't let this life uh, 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 rob you of the deposit of God in your life. You better hang on to it. Hold on to it because every demon devil in hell is trying to rip it out of your heart and rip it out of your system and undermine the foundation of God in your life to where one day you'll wake up and say, well, maybe God didn't. And maybe, what did devil do to Eve? The first thing, question the authority of God's word. We live in a culture that is is taking God's unadult. You know what the Bible says, the word of God? It's the truth. It's the truth. The word of God is the truth that sets you free. And if the devil can get you to question and questioning the truth. And that's the culture of our day. Is the Bible really true? Is this really true? Maybe it's just a story. Maybe it's just an allegory. I'm telling you every part of God's word from the front to the back is true and righteous altogether. And Paul says, you better hang on to it because the devil will try to steal it out of your life and get you to question the necessity, the validity the authority of God's Word. It's God's Word. All Scripture, Paul told Timothy, is given by inspiration from God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for training in righteousness and for correction that the man or woman of God may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing for goodness sake. Somebody say, hold fast. Everybody say, stir up. Fear not. Hold fast. Number four, be strong. Everybody say, be strong. Second, uh, uh, second Timothy two, verse, uh, chapter two, verse one, you therefore, my son. See, here's the father's words. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. I want to tell you something today. God's grace is good. His grace, it's amazing grace. His unmerited favor. Listen, it's by his grace, his favor on your life. And you know what Paul's telling Timothy right here? You need to get into the grace of God more. You need to find that God's grace will sustain you and help you. God's grace, it's how you got saved for goodness sakes. For Paul told the Ephesians, for by grace, we've been saved through faith. And that is not a gift of ourselves. It's, it's a gift of God. And so the grace of God is so profound. In fact, we got to learn to realize that the favor of God, he says, you be strong in the grace of God, which is in Christ Jesus. You get a hold of God's grace in greater measure than ever before. His grace saves you. His grace heals you. His grace helps you in every way. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. I wrote this down. God's grace is the only avenue of spiritual progress 
toward greater levels of victory. You can't work your way into greater levels of liberty. It's His mercy and grace. And Paul says, Timothy, you be strong in God's grace. You lean heavily into the favor of God and the grace of God on your life. Be strong. I love what Hebrews 4.16 says. It says, let us come boldly before the throne room of what? That we might obtain mercy and find grace and help in time of need. In this battle, we got to be strong in grace. That means we got to come boldly before the throne room of God, the throne room of God and throne room of grace. Aren't you glad when you come in God's presence, he's not there to whip on you? Aren't you glad God's presence is a place of discipline and correction and legalism and, and, and hey, it's his, it's the Father God. You come into his presence and it's his grace. Come boldly to the throne room of grace that we might obtain mercy and grace to help us in time of need. So you got to be strong in that grace. And don't become legalistic. Walk in the grace of God. That's warrior wisdom. Everybody say, stir up. Fear not. Hold fast. Be strong. Here's number five. Uh, yeah, here's number five. Endure hardship. Oh, no. Listen, we're warriors. Where's my military folk? I know Robert's gone, right? Uh, anybody else been in the military? If you've been in the military, stand, stand, all our military veterans stand up. All our military, let's give our military veterans a hand. Woo! Now, I, you may be seated. Now, I, I, I know enough about this to know when they, when they got into boot camp or whatever the, the, was it, did they call it boot camp? There's different things. I'm sure, that the, that the sergeant didn't say, okay, now, Shannon, come here, let me rub your feet, brother, because I know it's been a long journey from Beaumont, Texas, and so let me rub your feet. No. He got in your face. You've seen it on TV. I've never experienced, thank Jesus. But what they said here today, uh, what they say, this is going to be hard. You are not going to enjoy this. You will not like, you will not like me by the end of the day. And, and, and they work you through hardship. Let me tell you something. Some of us want to be delivered from hardship. Could I tell you that the hardship you're going through right now is just preparation for the real battle that you're going to face one day. God's looking for soldiers who realize that it's going to be hard. It's going to be tough. It's going to be uh, painful. It might might be sorrowful, but endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. It's going to be hard, but it's going to be good. Because when you, if you'll endure it, you'll come out on the other side victorious and having moved to another level of liberty in your life. It's hard. But it's a good thing. Amen. Endure hardship. Number six, warrior wisdom from Paul to Timothy about waging this good fight. Be diligent. Look in chapter two, verse 15. Uh, one translation says, and this goes back to the word of God, verse 15. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, 
a worker who does not be ashamed, uh, need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of what? He's talking about the word of God. Be diligent in the word of God. You know, and next Sunday when we begin 40 days in the word, what we're hopefully going to accomplish in our own lives and in one another is that we become diligent in God's word. He said, hey, listen, it's not just a Sunday morning affair. Let me tell you something. Did you know less than 50% of people who call themselves faithful church folk go to church on any given Sunday? Did you know it's a, it's a challenge just get people in the doors? This culture that we live in today and somehow our, our church folk have, have thought, you know what? I'm doing my fair share. Hallelujah. It's a busy world we live in. And I, and, and I get it. But Paul didn't go down that road with Timothy. He said, let me tell you something. This is a daily thing. You got to be diligent to show yourself approved unto God. A worker who does not need to be ashamed handling accurately the word of truth. You got to get it down in your soul. You got to get a hold of the word of God so the word of God can get a hold of you. Study to show yourself approved unto God. This is not for, for sissies. Warrior wisdom, this is not for sissies. Don't be a sissy. You got to be diligent. Everybody say stir up. Everybody say fear not. Everybody say hold fast. Everybody say be strong. Everybody say endure hardship. Everybody say be diligent. Listen, we can't afford to be unprepared in this battle. You can't look at the devil and go, uh, uh, I'm sorry. Time out. Let me go to the website and pull up Peace Sam because he talked about this last Sunday. Let me just check. No, he's not, he not waiting for you to prepare yourself. He's doing everything he can to keep you from being ready for the fight. Do I have to read my Bible? No, you don't have to. You get to. Do I have to stir it up? No, you don't have to. You get to. You become equipped. In fact, Ephesians 4 says, the fivefold ministry of which I'm a part of that, your pastor, teacher, they equip you for the work of the ministry, for the battle, for the fight. That's what Sunday morning, Wednesday night, and any other place in between is all about. I gotta be diligent. I gotta be ready. I've gotta be prepared. I can't be ill prepared. That's why it's hard when you went to the military, isn't it? Because the one thing they knew when you, if you got into the real battle, you better be ready. You can't be Barney Fife in it. Where's my bullet? We need to start a new church, Barney Fife, Church on the Rock. Mayberry, Church on the Rock, where everybody is ill-prepared. Maybe the Holy Spirit's helping me this morning. Be diligent. I got time. Here we go. Let's give, let me give you six more real quick. Warrior wisdom. Number seven, flee also. Everybody say flee also. Look what he says in 2 Timothy chapter uh, 2, 
Oh, let's read verse 21. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, it's talking about wood, hay, and stubble. If anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. And then he says, flee also youthful lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on God from a pure heart, but avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they will generate strife. There's some things as a good soldier you need to run from. If you're going to be prepared and ready, there's something. And that's why he said just a few moments earlier, no one who is a good soldier, uh, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. He goes back. If you go back to first Timothy chapter six, he says this uh, in verse 11 before he said, fight the good fight of faith. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue after righteousness, good godliness, faith, love, patience and gentleness and fight the good fight of faith. There's some things that we, we've got to flee from. There's some things that we just need to realize I'm not partaking of that. I'm not going to allow that into my life. I'm running from that and I'm running to I'm not running from the devil. I'm running from the the things of this flesh, and I am pursuing after that which is righteous, holy, and good. And you see this process here. You see the the flee, the pursuit after what is right, and the fight of faith. Are you with me? Say amen. It's warrior wisdom. Number eight, know this. Everybody say, know this. Look in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. Then he begins to talk about perilous times in the last days. And I'm telling you, we're living in the last days. And we're living in perilous times. I'm telling you. Everybody put the pause button on. Boop. I may not make it to the 12th one. I'm put the pause button on. Did you know that our world right now as fragile as it's ever been. I'm talking about the globe. There's people in Korea with their finger on the nuke button. Did you know that? Wackos who are inspired by the devil. And it's a spiritual battle. The war on radical Islamic terrorism is a spiritual battle. And it's a sign of the last times. You see, the last day's warfare is not going to be about ground and houses and lands. It's going to be about spiritual authority. Paul said, in the last times, perilous times will come. And here's what he's telling Timothy. You got to understand something, Timothy. This is, this is warfare days. This is not tiptoe around the tulips with tiny Tim. This is battle time. This is the last days. We're living in the last days. And if you think it's going to get better and easier, you got another thing coming. It's battleground time. You better know the times that you're living in. You better be as the scripture talks about the sons of Issachar who do understand the times that they were in, and we got to awaken to the times that we live in. These are the last days. Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And from such people turn away. There's some things you better know. 
Oh, come on, preacher. Listen, you know what Hosea the prophet said? Hosea the prophet said this in Hosea 4, 6. He says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And there's, there's things that you and I need to know. Go back to John 8. You shall know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Everybody say, know this. Number nine, continue in. Look in chapter three, verse 14. But you must continue. In other words, don't quit. Everybody say, don't quit. Tell three people we can't quit. We can't quit. We can't quit. We can't quit. He said, but continue in the things which you have learned and have been assured of, knowing that from whom you have learned them and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, there it is again, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in, we're talking about warrior wisdom. This word will make you wise so you can come to the end of your days and move into your final freedom with liberty and victory. Somebody say amen. He said, you got to continue in these things. And then as I quoted, all scriptures given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. You can't quit. If you read chapter 4, verse 5, the last three verses, three words of that verse, he says, fulfill your ministry. In other words, don't quit. Everybody say, don't quit. Then if you look down at verse 7 that I read, he said, I finished my race, but you can't quit. You got to get up and get going. You got to keep moving. You got to keep fighting. You got to keep believing. You got to keep trusting. You can't back away. You got to keep, keep going. Number 10, or your wisdom of moving to new levels of liberty is preach on. He says in chapter 4, verse 1, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at His appearing in His kingdom. Now, I'm going to tell you that verse right there is very important to the next one. I charge you. In other words, hey, Timothy, you better wake up. I'm charging you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus. They are listening to me today, Timothy, as I charge you with this thing. And who will ju- you'll stand before God and He'll judge you on this one right here. Preach the word. Somebody say, preach the word. Now we have this concept of preach. It just means proclaim the word. And, and the, the real context here is pro- proclaim the gospel. Did you know why you got saved? Did you know why you got saved? Everybody say, why did I get saved, Pastor? Why did you get saved? Because the gospel was preached to you. The gospel is the power of God and the salvation that Jesus died on the cross for the sins of all humanity. He was, he was three days in the tomb and three days later he rose again so you and I could have newness of life. That's the gospel. And that's the gospel that we preach. And if you look at the writings of Paul, he says you gotta keep preaching the gospel. We tend to preach a gospel of, of, of feel good and, and bless me club. Listen, we need to preach the gospel, the warrior wisdom for the day. Listen, if you want to move to a new level of liberty and you want to bring others along with you, you got to preach the gospel because that's the only way anybody ever gets born again. You're not going to go to heaven because you came to church every once in a while. 
You're not going to experience your final freedom because you gave a few bucks in the offering or because you helped somebody one day change a tire or because you bought somebody's Starbucks in the line in front of you doing some little good deed. You will never, you'll, you'll split hell wide open in a hurry. The only way anybody gets to heaven and experiences the final freedom is through accepting and believing and trusting and relying upon the gospel, the good news. We are His voice to preach the gospel, which is a gospel of liberation from sin. This world is bound by sin. And only the gospel proclaimed. How are they going to believe in Him in whom they've not heard? And how are they going to hear unless somebody preaches and shares the gospel with them? Romans 10. Preach on. Somebody say preach on. Number 11, be ready. Everybody say be ready. Look what he says in verse 3. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own own desires. Because they have itching ears, they will heap upon themselves teachers. They will turn their ears away from the truth. What is that? The word, the gospel. And be turned aside to fables. Listen, in evangelical America, you listen to me. There is the influx of half-truth and something, and a half-truth is a no-truth that are watering down the gospel and creating a whole new belief system that gets nobody any closer to God. It's the gospel. There's some theology that says everybody's saved. No, not true. You got to get the gospel. He says this, but you be watchful in all things. Keep your eyes open. Be ready. He says this, verse 2, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering. You got to be ready. You got to be ready. And then number 11 is, or number 12 is be watchful. I'm kind of putting them both together. You got to be ready with God's word. You can't be ill prepared. You got to be ready to share, exhort, rebuke. You got to be on your guard. You can't wait for the preacher to show up. Sometimes you've got to be right out there, be ready to go with God's word. People are dying and going to hell and we got to be ready with the testimony of the Lord. Paul said to Timothy, and that testimony, that gospel will set people free. And be watchful. Somebody said, be watchful. In all things. Peter said it this way. He said, the devil prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he made an hour. You got to be watchful and prepared. Let me give you a warfare warning. Here it is. Warfare warning. Spiritual mediocrity is undermining the foundations of our faith. And it's time to engage the enemy. Somebody say it's time. The time is now. 
Give me that final one there. I, I, I don't have it written out. Thank you. It's time to become fully engaged in the fight of our, for our freedom, our children's freedom, and this world's future freedom. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself up with the things of this life. We're in the middle of a fight for our freedom, for our children's freedom, and our future freedom. Let's stand up. Holy Spirit, if we went all the way back to number one, Lord, again, and stirred up the Spirit of God, that would be good. And Lord, we just pray right now that these 12 PowerPoints of warrior wisdom would begin to settle in our hearts and stir us to the front lines of the battle. There's some here today that have been on the sidelines. And just because you're on the sidelines, you, you just realize I still get beat up on the sidelines. It's time to get in the middle of this thing. To fight the good fight of faith. Begin to become fully engaged. Against the enemy of our soul. And today as we close out this service today, Lord, we thank you for the authority we have over, over the devil. We take authority over the devil that is trying to undermine our families and trying to undermine the foundation of faith in our life. We take authority over the devil that is lying to people and telling them they can live any which way they want and get to heaven. Lord, I rebuke those devils out of people's minds. I take authority over the devil that's trying to undermine.